Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders network, featuring tales to terrify and starship sofa. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 171. I'm your host, Nicholas heaton Clark, and I'm afraid we won't be offering respite from the summer heat with this week's tale. Like our previous episode, it has a desert setting. But we will offer a means of escape from the mundane via Tracy Canfield's mesmerising tale, The Seal of Suleiman. Tracy's short fantasy and science fiction has appeared in Analog, Strange Horizons and other magazines and anthologies. She is a computational linguist who CNN once called a Klingon scholar for her work on the Janolan Caves Klingon language audio tour. She is currently developing a computer game based on her space opera novelette Salvage for Choice of Games, LLC. You can find her on Twitter as at Tracy Canfield. Her tale is read for us by Khalida Muhammad Ali. Khalidah lives in Houston, Texas with her family. By day, she works as a breast oncology nurse, and at all other times, she juggles, none too successfully, the multiple other facets of her very busy life. Khalidah has been published in, or has publications upcoming in, Strange Horizons, FIA magazine, Diabolical Plots, and others. You can also hear her narrations at any of the four escape artist podcasts, Far-Fetched Fables, and Strange Horizons. Khalida is also co-editor at Podcastle Audio Magazine, where she is on a mission to encourage more women and POCs to submit fantasy stories. Of her alter ego, Kay from the planet Vega, it is rumoured that she owns a time machine and knows the secret to immortality. She can be found online at Khalida.com and on Twitter as at Khalida. And now, the seal of Suleiman. <laughs> Back when there were other Ifrit to talk to, I'd tell them Morocco was as far as you could get from Mecca without leaving civilization. And Agadir, with its casinos and five-star hotels and nightclubs filled with Moroccan tourists sporting European fashions, too daring to wear at home, even these most fractious of beings could not have argued. 
but here a mere twenty miles out of town i could barely have spoken the words myself without laughing a thousand and one trash bags flapped and snapped on the branches of the argon trees blown by the june breeze from every dump in the country a plastic ain sultan bottle arced from the window of a passing truck trailing a mist of carbonated mineral water and bounced in the dust except for the bags the bottle and the asphalt road the landscape was much as that i had always known it rolling hills and twisted grey-green trees dust and blue sky one tall tree had been cleared of bags and a herd of goats perched among its branches nibbling the pointed argon fruit a goat herd in a dusty jalbib leaned on his stick and watched them i thought of king suleiman may they build a halal mcdonald's on his grave leaning on his own stick and took a step out of my way to crush the ain sultan bottle under my feet i had arrived at a discreet distance but i needn't have bothered the goat herd was facing the other way and the only other people in sight were three men minding an argon oil stand by the road nothing new about that either though nowadays they displayed their wares on a folding table instead of a carpet and the jugs were plastic the goat herd turned to greet me i'd heard the phrase before but wasn't sure of the proper response i'd never learned berber good morning i said in arabic good morning he placed his right hand over his heart the sun had left his face cracked and dark please accept this o pilgrim i handed him a twenty dirham note i can afford to be generous he thanked me i circled the tree slowly the creature i was looking for was more like a goat than anything else perhaps i could learn something here the argon's branches were perhaps an inch across narrower than the goat's cleft hooves but they walked daintily to the very tips to get at the fruit the argon nuts inside fall to the ground that's where the argon oil comes from the goats watched me indifferently from slotted round eyes you speak classical arabic said the goat herd you sound like a book i suppose i would moroccans call it classical arabic even when it's on their televisions from my accent he seemed to conclude i was a tourist and i suppose a moroccan woman would have been travelling with her husband or at least a woman friend but who would i ask to accompany me i'm not about to explain my affairs to a lesser jinni or a human you may take pictures said the goatherd go ahead i wasn't carrying a camera so i produced one from my jacket pocket fluffy kids too small to climb drummed on the trunk with their forefeet the goatherd lifted one up and set it on a branch that's a good picture he said cute i've never seen a camera like that is it japanese maybe there was nothing i could learn from these tame animals my quarry was feral born to wild gin goats who had not known masters for generations but argon nuts argon oil that gave me an idea the three men from the stand wandered over 
they wore jeans and short-sleeved shirts with plastic buttons but they were clearly the goatherd's sons thirty years ago his hair had been as thick and black thirty years from now their faces would be as crackled with wrinkles they hadn't brought the argon oil that was for moroccans to cook with and i was obviously foreign one had a split geode which would have been prettier if the crystals hadn't been stained red with iodine another a handful of bracelets he ran his lighter under them to show me they were real stones not plastic the third held a tarnished copper bottle it was engraved with prayers in a language no human now spoke its neck was sealed with a sign i had contemplated for centuries when i was trapped beneath it i rushed away in a wind and the plastic bag shook but not as much as i two there's a moroccan curse may you perform your ablutions with the urine of a jewish jinny blasphemy piss anti-semitism and the nameless fear of the jinn melded with poetic succinctness if you could put a dog in there it'd be perfect it was allah who made the first jinn from the smokeless fire but we are not all of one faith once there were indeed jewish jinn a few worked for suleiman may his name be cursed among humans as it is among jinn but i haven't seen one since i was freed the christians teach that the christ died for men alone so the christian jinni would be a heretic and perforce no christian many humans believe that when some jinn accepted the teachings of muhammad peace be upon him though i am under no particular compunction to say so the rest allied with iblis the strongest of the ifrit and the most insincere of shaitan if you ask me they forget that many of us are still confined to suleiman's bottles during the days of the prophet peace be upon him we emerge to find that many jinn including some who were greatly honored among us had submitted to this new religion while others many just as honored had taken iblis's oaths i i thought i would have more time to decide three the argon oil had given me an idea but it had to wait for morning the sun was low and the clean expanse of the sahara was so near that i could not keep it from my thoughts i did not think the desert would raise my spirits after the sight of that bottle but i longed to return once more a human would have to jolt down a rutted desert path in a jeep for half an hour to reach the nearest guest house but i can go anywhere as quickly as i can think of it unfortunately so can my goat-like quarry and until i can learn where it wants to go i will never catch it all my magic will not tell me where it is when suleiman may diabetic dogs discover an affection for his tombstone was old he walked with a cane he was leaning on it overseeing gin workers when he died but the cane held him up and the gin kept working for forty days and forty nights until termites chewed the cane away and the body fell down only then did they realize he was dead truly allah alone is all-knowing 
I think the goat is looking for me, too. I took a male form and sidled over a small dune. The rental camels had handles on their saddles, so they couldn't spell the tourists when they seesawed to their feet. Once I had a camel of my own, white and black horses that loved to run, a tame cheetah who brought me the bones of its kills and stropped its spotted face on my thigh. Now the good-looking young guide was insisting on taking my hand to help me onto the saddle and leading my mount with a rope. I didn't mind. It was pleasant to rock with the camel's gait, pleasant to watch our shadows ripple across the sand, pleasant to contemplate the guide's long legs in his blue pants. We crossed three dunes before we halted in a spot chosen, I think, so the guest house and its campgrounds would be concealed. The guide, Hassan, half the young men in Morocco are named Hassan at the moment, sat beside me and offered me polished fossils from the nearby beds at tourist prices. For Hassan, the Sahara was spare and empty, but he could not see it as I do. We, the Ifrit, the greatest among the jinn, we build our cities here. Our roads stretched from the ocean west of Africa to the salt sea to its east. But long ago the trumpets had sounded. Allah and Iblis had summoned their Ifrit troops. Where they fought, whether they fight now, I do not know. It was not they who laid waste to our kingdoms, but in different, implacable time. Our jinn beasts rut and grow misshapen in our ruins, and of all the Ifrit I alone remain to see it. Where are you from? asked Hassan. I started. Do you know the Gelan Valley, I said, in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia? Isn't it near Mecca? Maybe even a little too near. We watched the sun set on two landscapes, sand sifted across the broken gin thoroughfares. Below us, three lesser gins squatted on their haunches among the toppled slabs of an Ifrit home. They had long ago looted the last of its treasures, torn them apart in their squabbles, and never used them, our scrolls in our tapestries, our chessboards in our oaths. What once was a gin dog unwound itself across the road. The sun set so fast here in the dry air. Will you, if Allah is willing, dine at the guest house? said Hassan. Have you seen it? We have carpets on the sand, and you dine under the stars. There is music, bibber music, drumming and dancing. He smiled. I know a place we can go afterwards. I smiled to myself. Once two human kings traveled in the wilderness, saw a jinni approaching, and hid in a tree. The jinni landed beneath them and set down a chest locked with heavy chains. He opened it and took out a beautiful human woman. After the jinni had fallen asleep, the woman waved at the two men and made it clear by means of gestures that she wished them to do as the jinni had done. They shook their heads, but she gestured that she would wake the jinni, who would kill them, so they did as she wished. Afterwards, she slipped the rings from their fingers and threaded them onto a long cord with many others. The jinni, she said, 
had abducted her on her wedding night, so she would never know another. But despite all his precautions, she had ninety-eight rings on her cord. For humans, it is a story about the perfidy of women, but originally it was a story for gin. For us, it is about the perils of desiring humans. 4. I waited on a Kalat Mugana street for a perfume shop to open. I didn't care which one. There are twenty in a row, all essentially alike. The first nineteen yielded nothing. Let me tell you the tale of the twentieth. I could have touched the opposite walls of the shop with my outstretched arms, and I was not in one of my larger forms. It would have seemed tiny if I hadn't spent all those centuries in a bottle. The pop concert poster inside the door was the only thing that wasn't pink. Pink bottles held rose water shampoo. Pink tins held rose water lip balm. Pink heart-shaped soaps were piled on the counter. It was like being inside a human's body on a sunny day. The owner showed me the same rose water hand lotion, rose water anti-wrinkle drops, and rose water scented cosmetics I had seen nineteen times before. Here and there, I saw a few tan cakes of argon soap, the source of my inspiration. There was rose water and atomizers, cheap plastic pumps, little glass jars, all labeled in Arabic, and what was probably French. I never learned French. I would like your advice, O Pilgrim, I said at last. I am looking for something exceptional. My mother lives next to a tannery, and at times the stench is not to be described. I need something very strong, but also very pleasant. Something for the lady's mother. He closed his eyes and nodded. I know exactly the thing. My brother-in-law has a perfume shop in Fez, and a few days ago there was a terrible odor in the air. Goats running, he said were more fragrant by far. Indeed, I said. I felt such excitement that I feared he would see the smokeless fire in my eyes. Like rancid chicken guts boiled in shisha water, he said. So I sent him this. He pulled a cut glass bottle out from under the counter. This is the finest rose oil in Dady's Valley. The merchants from Souk al-Attarin lined up to buy from him. Your mother will love it if Allah is willing. He's in Souk al-Atarin? The perfume maker Souk? This might just be a colorful specific calculated to lower my sales resistance. Still, it sounded more promising than anything I'd heard at the last nineteen shops. The proprietor clinked the bottle on the counter to suggest I was missing the point. His shop isn't in the Souk. It's a big shop. Let me give you his card. I sent him my whole stock, and it sold by new. Except this bottle? Only because I missed it. I bought it. I couldn't see why not. 5. I wandered the Fez souks in the shape of a black dog, dodging kicks and thinking up curses. My goat-like enemy had not been here. I was sure of it. Its reek was like no other. But there was another smell, a harmony to the gin goat's melody, less gin and more mortal. 
less fire and more earth. I followed it past a butcher shop with a camel's head hanging from a hook on the ceiling. Even as a dog, the smell of fresh meat repelled me. Jin do not eat flesh. The piles of dried apricots and figs next door were almost as bad, and the shopkeeper threw a rock at me. The source of the musk was nearby. I was sure of it. But the crooked lanes disappeared to lead me away whenever I seemed to be getting closer. I thought I saw the copper bottle among a dozen brass hands of Fatima, but I kept going. Even if I was wrong, Fatima had been no friend to the jinn. Five in your own eye, Fatima. The trail, faint as childhood memory, led me out of the souks and onto the street. A driver leapt from his car to berate a tailgater in three languages. A bus from the girls' school passed, and a teenaged boy swerved his convertible so his friends could hold up signs with their cell phone numbers. I darted between pedestrians in western and traditional clothes. A Berber pharmacy's herb baskets ignited a fireworks display of scents in my nostrils. But the musk was like a drumbeat that can be heard regardless of how many other instruments play. I followed it to a great house, some merchant's home, once. The high walls were topped with broken glass to keep intruders out. For all the difference it made, I flew invisibly to the open patio atop the house, the flat roofs of Fez, studied with stalactite dishes, were heaped in every direction around me. A dog again. I trotted down the steep stairs. Wool threads trembled in the air, clung to my wet nose, made me sneeze. Every room was filled with carpets, stacked flat in piles eight feet high, rolled like woolen pillars, hung from the walls. The colors were wasted on me. Dogs don't work that way. The putrid stench flowed from the fifth carpet from the bottom of an enormous stack. I returned to my usual unseen form, and the musk smell cut off as abruptly as a snuffed flame. It must have shifted when the rug arrived in the city, then dimmed with time. Gin magic is like that sometimes. The residue of ill-made wishes accumulates in the old places, and accursed things flare in its place. But with no one to shape these forces, they soon smolder and die. I lifted the other carpets and set them aside. Most Moroccan carpets are variants on common themes, medallions and tulips, big geometric Berber patterns, but this one was a stark field of red-orange. Bent lines and striped squares wandered across it without any pattern I could discern. I set the other carpets back on top of it and left invisibly. I returned the next morning as a human to the conventional entrance. Rashid, a balding salesman, answered the door and told me the shop was part of a collective. Rural women wove the carpets, but as it would be improper for them to work as saleswomen, the men in Fez handled that side of the business. Where do the weavers live? I asked. All over Morocco, every region, he said. We can get you any style you want. Mint tea was produced, and Rashid and I sat and talked before I looked at any of his wares. The carpet is a gift for my son, I said. I have measured the room, chosen the colors. We have visitors from all over the world, said the salesman. 
He himself speaks French, of course, German, English, Italian, and Turkish, at least when it comes to carpets. I asked him how high he could count in Turkish. High enough, he said. How did I like Morocco? How long had I been here? Had I looked at any other carpets yet? I would certainly prefer his. Moroccans and their carpets. Every human in this country knows a carpet salesman who will give them a little something for steering them a sale, even though hardly any Moroccan carpets fly. Something orange, I said, would be best. And it began. Rashid's assistants rushed in with carpets in every shade of the setting sun, unrolling them side by side, snap, snap, snap. Something lighter, darker, yellower, an Arab pattern, or a Berber? Rejected rugs piled up on the floor. The salesman was undeterred. So was I. I hadn't yet seen what I was looking for, but I knew Rashid would happily show me every carpet he had if he thought there was a sale to be made. When the musk-touched carpet appeared, I made a wholly unnecessary inspection of the reverse. The knots were a bit irregular. The carpet was made by hand, not by machine. The summer and the winter sides were equally colorful and strange. "'You have excellent taste,' said the salesman. "'That's the Rehamna style.' "'Where was this made?' I asked. "'Here in Fez?' "'No, no. This is real village craftsmanship from Asni.' I listened carefully for any trace of glibness, but heard none. He had given me the only thing I needed here. He bargained as fiercely as I'd expected from a Moroccan carpet salesman. I drove him down lower than he realized he'd go. I could have just flown away, but I bought the carpet. I can produce modern banknotes as easily as I once did gold coins. I can afford to be generous. 6. I found the hammam on a side street if a village as small as Asni could be said to have side streets. I was in luck. The sign said tonight was a woman's night. I entered invisibly. I always feel a ripple of pride when I smell the soap and feel the steam tickle my nose. I designed the first hammam for the Queen of Sheba to make her goat-haired legs white like silver when she met with Suleiman. May his descendants consider him a baseless legend. The changing room television was turned low, but it echoed harshly off the tiled walls anyway. Two Tayabatan giggled so hard at a soap opera that their big brown nipple breasts quivered. Business must have been slow for the bath attenders to be in here instead of the steam rooms. It is true we gin are drawn to what is unclean, dumps and dung heaps, but this place where things become clean can be our home as well. I found the lesser gin who lived here folded up in a corner where the ceiling met the wall. Good evening, oh my child, I said. I wondered if the empty vocative would have grated on me so much if I'd had children. The jinnah squinted at me and hopped down to the floor. Good evening, oh Ifrit, she said unseen and unheard by the customers in their flip-flops and panties. By my horse and my spear, how I hate the sight of naked flesh. You could move somewhere else. Do you know a place? I thought of a quiet cemetery where I lived. No, I said. 
I used to live in a man's urethra, she paused, bobbing her small head and blinking her large blue eyes. I've never seen a real ifrit before, she went on at last. The lesser gin are stupid. Are any of the carpet weavers here tonight, I asked, the ones from the collective. A couple. They're hamna, are they not? Arabs? I see why everyone says the ifrit are stuck in the past. Don't worry. The jinn grinned an inhumanly wide grin. I know loads of Berber. After pissing me off by pointing out a woman who turned out to be the local English teacher and another who was a tayaba, the jinni indicated two women washing side by side and speaking, praise be to Allah, because I'm not giving that jinni any of the credit. Arabic. I leaned down. You do wonderful work, she whispered, considering what you have to work with. One woman's brow furrowed. It's really too bad we can't consistently get a good grade of wool, she said. Sometimes, she dumped a bucket of water on her head. Sometimes it smells. You remember how I had to keep washing the wool we got from Yauti a while back? That's a Berber name, and she clearly knew him personally. He couldn't be far. Yes, yes, I remember, said her friend merrily. That reminds me. Larby called from Fez today, she said. Some Sally paid way too much for the rug I put that wool in. Now Larby's wondering if I could do another just like it. Stupid Saudis, crowed the Ginny like a rooster that's seen an angel. That was all I could tolerate, and I'm not even Saudi. There was an Arabia long before the Saudis. I flew home for dinner of bones on which the name of Allah had not been written and some rest, but the goat had found my resting place. Musk hung in the air thick as smoke. The tombs were smashed open, trampled all over with cloven hoof prints. The goat beast had even left me a gift, a copper bottle. 7. A jinn once tried to teach sheep the alphabet, but gave up after ba. I have heard sheep say Aleph, but it doesn't happen very often. The sheep reciting their lessons at me now were penned in a round enclosure, woven from brush, or clenched between the boots of the Berber men shearing them. They didn't struggle, didn't alter their flat tone or their impassive expressions. Ba, 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 they said as they'd been taught. Cigarettes? said a boy of about twelve, his younger brother mimed. Do you have any cigarettes? I tossed him a pack, and he examined them curiously. French? he said. They must have looked wrong. Saudi, I said. Would you like to have tea with us? For a tip, I understood. Berber shepherds are nomads, so finding every atui on the plains around Asni had taken some time. Bribing a town bureaucrat wouldn't have helped, since there's a government ban on registering Berber names. At least the purple and red flowers in the fields were pretty at this time of year. I had even learned some Berber, agrum dawati, bread and tea. The boy's mother welcomed me into a round tent covered with layers of woolen blankets. The side facing the road was open. I hoped the boys who were outside kicking around a punctured water bottle, wouldn't go looking for my car. Yatui's wife, Tegwulut, 
had a blue tattoo beneath her lower lip and a small curly-haired girl pouting behind her skirt i wondered if tagwalut's hair was as curly under her scarf the teenage daughter who'd had the most school came in to translate for me european students with backpacks come through here all the time she said berber music played on the battery-powered radio in the cabinet where the tea set was kept they fly on airplanes and cross the sea to take pictures of sheep i tore off a piece of flatbread flies crowded around it and strolled across the butter it wasn't bones or rock or dung so i wouldn't actually eat it but no one will ever know i don't think they know a normal sheep from an odd one she said last year when the lambs were born one looked very strange when the time came we sheared it and found arabic writing on the skin i read it her voice dropped to a whisper i didn't know if she was translating or narrating it said shaitan seed run all shaitan all wound together that isn't even grammatical i said stupid gin goat she chanted her words like a reluctant witness testifying before a cruel magistrate we killed it we didn't eat any of it we burned it all we sold the wool though the wool wasn't the problem and not even with another goat but with a sheep disgusting outside a boy muttered something in berber i didn't know the words but i know a wish when i hear it with the boys like a soccer ball i said i got it for my son but his grandmother had already bought him one i was wondering what to do with it you have a soccer ball with you said the girl in evident surprise it's in my car i said so i had to make a car after all i sat on a minaret in another city and let the amplified call to prayer thrum through my invisible bones i couldn't chaperone every eligible sheep in morocco my search was mere folly i had no clues but had i done all i could with the ones i had there was something else to learn from the goats in the trees goats will go to great trouble to get exactly what they want i didn't need to locate a desirable sheep i just needed for the goat to think i had one and how hard could it be to fool it was a goat eight i bought a sheep instead of making one for fear my conjuration would stick to it and make it smell strange i did give it a salon shampoo and trim and spritzed rose water behind its ears it didn't have much patience with the lipstick and it ate the veil jama el fana the biggest square in marrakesh has changed so little in the time i've known it that the differences aren't worth noting i wandered in human form among the entertainers two dancers bearded beneath their veils shook their sequined skirts to the laughter of the crowd a comic performer told a folk tale i had witnessed myself about a man scheming to trick the angel jibril into giving him a motorcycle the different voices for each character were inspired even if they didn't achieve documentary accuracy tourists fed cherries to chained barbary apes and snapped digital pictures sometimes i've whispered in the fortune teller's ears told them secret truths mixed with whatever falsehoods amused me but there would be none of that now what could you want that isn't sold here how could you be dissatisfied here
Well, in my case, I grant, I can't buy the goat beast, and a human could get their pocket picked. I set up my tent between a snake charmer with a rug full of harmless charges and a henna hand painter who kept trying to shove her book of designs at me before she realized what I was doing. The hangers-on menaced me, but I threatened to give them the evil eye, and apparently they found the threat as credible as it was. For forty days and forty nights I stood on the square, shouting, Behind this curtain, and nowhere else in the world, you will, if Allah is willing, see the most beautiful sheep ever born. Her eyelashes are silk feathers, her rump rivals the gazelles, her fleece is as white as fat and fluffy as the spring cloud, her bleat song made pure. Business was slow. The sheep knew something was wrong before I did. It kept up its ba ba so insistently that passers-by stopped to goggle, which was more than I usually managed. A slow wind crept across the square. A rack of T-shirts inscribed in European languages waved its welcome. The henna painter's customer winced, and the painter bit her lip, wondering how to fix the pattern. The kick would have killed me in human form, but I had already changed. I crashed into the lantern shop behind me, a million dirhams worth of craftsmanship banged down on my head. I picked myself up and faced my foe for the first time. It stood with one melon-sized hoof on the wreckage of my tent. Its two goat heads were fused. Two mad yellow eyes shared a single central socket. Two more stared off to the other side. Yellow slime hung in ropes from its snouts, and its matted black fur was as stiff and sharp as scrap iron. Two pointed gray tongues licked square yellow teeth. Shaitan, said one head, with a mouth that had never been made for words. I, said the other. The monster lowered four horns at me and charged. I leapt aside, grabbed for a horn, and got a handful of greasy fur instead. The beast shook. My knuckles bounced off a marble-hard, muscular body, and I went shooting towards an orange-squeezing stand. I didn't knock the stand over, but that's really because I hit two customers first. Panic caught here and there among the crowd, like the first raindrops disturbing a still pond. The humans could not see or hear us, but the lantern seller was standing in front of a shop, abusing everyone near shot. The women I knocked down were wringing juice out of their skirts, and the goat shook the pavement with every step. I did not have the strength to pierce its hide, but I refused to believe this cursed being of ancestry could defeat me. I had all the guile of the Ifrit. What did it have? Two heads as big as a wardrobe and a goat's wit within? I bounced to a roof and wailed. I alone could hear, but every mortal creature in Marrakesh trembled. It lowered its double head and snorted. Its horns twisted like poisoned serpents, glistened like poisoned scimitars. With the force of the gale, the earthquake, with a might like the word of truth, it hurled itself down at me. And when its spittle touched me, and I felt its hot breath on my face, I conjured a lance. It hung impaled above me, its lips formed some final oath, its eyes fogged, its body went limp.
Something moved inside my tent. I flew over and lifted the flap. The sheep was unscathed. Perhaps the goat had wanted to save it for later. Bah, said the sheep. Bah, 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 Aleph. The crowd was in such tumult that I didn't bother looking for a private place to turn human. The goat and I moved across the square like an unseen cyclone. An umbrella-top table from a rooftop restaurant lay on the street, surrounded by scattered neon tubes that at once hawked women's clothing. Licensed guides hurried their infidel customers everywhere. A beggar took a skewer from a kebab stand with a deft hand, then a second. Someone tugged my sleeve. I turned, preparing to give the evil eye. Good evening. A short, plump man in a round hat and a white jalbib smiled at me congenially. Could I interest you in this bottle? I sucked in my breath. What warped magic brought this thing back to haunt me? But before, I had seen as stupidly as the goat, with my heart and not my mind. This was indeed one of the ancient instruments of imprisonment, but it was no threat to me. The seal of Suleiman was intact. No one was going to trap me in this bottle. Some other ifrit was already inside. I paid the man. I didn't even bargain. He seemed startled. The smokeless fire within warmed the copper. Imagine to be locked away in the days of the ancient kings and emerge in the days of the personal computer. A millennium passes in that copper chamber, and you wait wondering if the human who will free you has yet been born, never guessing that you are bobbing in the currents of an old and undirected magic that will carry you inexorably towards the last of your kind. I ran my thumb along the green-tarnished neck. We may become lovers. We may become enemies. But you are alone no longer, and neither am I. I broke the seal. Our thanks go to both Tracy and Kalida for that fabulous story. A short reminder, listeners, we are still accepting story submissions for the Triple F podcast. Please send us your fiction via the guidelines and link on the submissions page of our website. As always, please leave us a review on iTunes, Acast and other podcatchers so that we can build our listenership and keep the stories flowing. We rely on you, our listeners, to keep the lights on, so please also consider making a donation on the District of Wonders Patreon page. Every little bit helps. My personal thanks go, as always, to Gary Dowell, my editor, and our sound engineer extraordinaire, Mark Zanfardino. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but don't change it or sell it. And be sure to give credit where that credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors, and violators will be imprisoned in a bottle until the Ifrit deem otherwise. I'm off to go and stir my amazing pot of vegetarian soup. I'll see you all next week. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www. 
districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.